So uh, you want me to start? All right. You well, want, you want to start? I'll, I'll start by asking you a question. Have you seen the trailer for this new movie called The King? I did. I just saw it for the first time today. What did you think? I really liked it. Um, I mean, aside from being high production quality, mm-hmm. I guess it felt like... Uh, See, I watched it and I think bad haircuts <laughs> running across a lot of grass, <laughs> swinging swords, someone's going to die, and someone's going to get naked by the end of this. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, as with Outlaw King before, last year. Yes, which is great, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, there yeah. was nudity in that, too. There was. Actually, the opening. Brief nudity. The I opening shot of uh, Outlaw King, which has no nudity in it, I don't think. I was disappointed. Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval with your hosts, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McIntyre, discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. There was nothing in it that, that said to me, this is crazily not medieval. Right. Uh, and it also felt, it felt very much of our time, too. It felt like the kind of thing that could be popular and well-liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so. it's got... That young actor, Timothy Chalamet, in it. Yes. Who's been in some recent, very popular movies. Yeah, and Henry V is such a dynamic figure. You know, I'm a lit guy, not a historian, but... Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he obviously has got an interesting story in Shakespeare, and and it has the opportunity both for lots of intrigue and lots of battle and big spectacle and... Intimate moments and that kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I'm actually pretty interested in it. But why? Why Henry the Fifth though? Why not Henry the? Well, obviously not Henry the Eighth because he's been done. Yeah, so many I feel times. like Henry the Eighth has been done to death at this point. I mean, there, there needs to be a, a, a completely new take or a, a break or something. Mm-hmm. But why Henry the Fifth? Well, in some ways, I think we can understand. In some ways, the I mean, this is definitely he's definitely a medieval king. So I, I don't want to act like you know we're talking about a nineteenth to twentieth century guy. But in some ways, the conflicts that they have are pretty recognizable. The land masses are recognizable. This is not a situation where, um, like when I'm teaching King Lear, for example, the idea, like who are the Britons? You know that that is a who who are the Britons? Yes, who are the Britons? Yeah. Like for for my students, they don't know who that is yes right they don't they don't know any of that stuff it's a foreign king who's talking about a foreign place and you know the we have no context right we don't have context the politics for today england versus france we get that yeah and then the complications that are in there can be explained i think pretty pretty easily so in some or or rather can be explained in in a kind of way that where that feels like a, a subset within the larger political struggle that we understand. So I think the big struggle is one that we can we can grapple we can grapple with pretty easily. Uh, whereas like even a successful thing like uh, you know some of the Viking shows have been really successful, but exactly mm-hmm. what the broader political struggles are there, unless you're somebody who knows about that already. I actually don't think it comes across very clearly sometimes. Whereas this, I think it's pretty clear. I think it's I think it's a pretty good target for this kind of series. I see. 
See, I watched it and I think bad haircut <laughs> running across a lot of grass, <laughs> swinging swords. Someone's going to die and someone's going to get naked by the end of this. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, as with Outlaw King last year. Yes, which is great, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there yeah. was nudity in that, too. There was. Actually, the opening, Brief nudity. The opening shot of uh, Outlaw King, which has no nudity in it, I don't think. I was disappointed. Yeah, but like, which ends with the trebuchet firing, like that incredibly long shot that oh, it was walks wonderful. us through. Yeah, it was really great. Uh, if it's anything like that, it'll be, this will be colossal. It'll be unbelievable. But um, look, uh, people did die. <laughs> during the they did. Of it. They died a lot in the Middle Ages. You know. 100% of all the people who lived in the Middle Ages have long have died since then. Some Either of them, via war yeah, or via right. the Black Plague yes. or some other Right. Disease. Some of them died from, oh, the, the number of things they died from. <laughs> Heart disease, cancer. Starvation. Starvation. There syphilis. you go. Syphilis. It's more of one that just drives you madness. I guess you could die from it. So Yeah, lead poisoning. There you go. Yeah. Right. You would, Some, sometimes steel poisoning when someone poked a stick with a steel end right through you. This is true, yeah. So that could happen. And you would think, even though um, there was so much death and so much starvation and so much destruction and just so many bad things all around during this period of history that we as Americans and as, well, you know, not just as Americans, mm -hmm. but as students and as purveyors of this part of history – we would be less obsessed with this period. Why? Why is that? Why? Why do we love watching shows and movies, and why do we consume this literature, and why do we see uh, musicals like Camelot? Why? Why do we yeah. love medieval history and literature, and and why do we put it in our pop culture? Why is it so important to us? So the the past is always about the present when we talk about it. Obviously, when the past is going on, it's not about the present. What we're doing today will someday be the past and we'll look back on it or someone will look back on it or no one will ever look back on it, but we'll say, oh, this is what this meant or this is the implications of this. But right now, even though I'm literally thinking about this future right now, mm -hmm. it's not real to me. It doesn't matter to me in some ways. Yeah. Um, so whenever we talk about the past, we're always using it to define ourselves either to, well, I think, I think usually to define ourselves against the past and sometimes it's define ourselves negatively and say oh there was a golden age where everything was good and today everything is bad because it's different than the golden age or we look at the past and we go like oh things were terrible in the past look how much we've progressed we're so great we're so wonderful uh, let's pat ourselves in the back and so i think one reason generally speaking anytime we look at the past regardless if it's the middle ages or any other time uh, is to talk about it's it's basically foreign travel. Mm -hmm. you know, we're really talking we're about slumming it. Yes, and we're yeah. th we're talking about our, our home country in in some way. You know, when you go to when your when your aunt goes to a foreign country and comes back and makes you watch, you know, three hours of her different pictures that she's taken. She she's always <laughs> comparing it oh, to you know what's really different there from here, but they don't compare mm -hmm. it to the things which are common. Uh, between us. They don't say, you know what was surprising? Um, everyone there also sang songs. 
no. weird a weird a weird thing that all humans do, even though it doesn't seem to be in any obvious way pragmatic, but all humans do it. But we don't think about that. We only think about the things that are different, right? Yeah. So when we look at so when we look at the past, we tend to either be defining ourselves we're always defining ourselves against, I think, but sometimes to our detriment today and sometimes to our uh, benefit today. And then I think particular to the Middle Ages is it's far enough away that we can in some way feel not personally convicted by what we're saying, even when, even when we're saying that the things in the past even when we're defining ourselves against it, somehow it's never my fault because right. it's always so far away. Whether it's my fault because things are worse now or or the bad thing that happened in the past is my, my fault because it was my ancestor or whatever. Uh, it's far enough away we don't worry about that. Um, but it's close enough that we we can understand the conflicts in some ways that the life doesn't feel so alien to us you've gone you know it's not just set in the past where everyone's hunter gatherers uh the life of the hunter gatherer the nomadic hunter gatherer is well nomadic hunter or gatherer is really alien to most of us and so like even though we could understand uh some different elements of that uh, the a lot of times the big picture is going to be lost in us and the middle ages are just close enough that we can recognize it and just far away enough that we say, but I'm not really implicated in this. And mm -hmm. you're not implicated in this unless I want you to be because I'm <laughs> using the past as a weapon to say you're bad for for thinking whatever you're right. thinking or proposing whatever you're proposing. So do you think there's a way to balance both um, learning from the past, learning from this period of our history, but also respecting it and trying to uh, not repeat it? Well, I, I guess one of the ways which I'm really at odds with most of my colleagues in the history departments uh, is I don't think we, I, I think it's wrong to think we don't want to repeat the past. Uh, you know, the old Santayana cliche mm -hmm. about you learn Those history. Those that right, right. fail history are to, <laughs> right, repeat right, it. to repeat it. Right. In, in fact, there are lots of ways to do things badly. And of there are course. only a few things, a few ways to do things well. And I actually think history is a great way to examine what are ways to do things well? What's worked? And I think it's better to see, well, what worked in the past that we could do today other than, well, let's try this rando thing. If no one's tried it in the past, maybe it'll work this time. Maybe. But if we know we have something in the past that's worked, we should do that. And we should use that. And that's actually why I, I the, the way I, when I'm teaching literature, because, of course, I'm a literature professor, not a history professor, um, those stories deal with characters who are coping with a problem and then they come up with a solution to the problem. I mean, there are some literature where the where the problem, the conflict is not resolved in a positive way, uh, but but it often is resolved in a positive way. And it's a way for, so if I'm going to tell you a story in which there's a conflict and it's resolved in a positive way, I'm telling you, hey, this is a, 
this is a good way to resolve this conflict. Um, and I'm going to express it to you via story. And so then when you hear it, I hope that if you encounter a circumstance that's not the same, but it's close enough that it reminds you of that story, that you then can say, oh, this reminds me of this other story. I think I might try that thing that worked in there. Even if trying that thing isn't pragmatically useful, because sometimes stories are about doing the right thing, even though, even though it's likely to end in failure for you. Um, the argument being that that's the kind of virtuous thing. And so when we're looking at, at the past, if, if I'm look, if I'm going to tell a story about Henry V and I know nothing about what they're going to do exactly in the, in the uh, story, right? If I'm going to, in the, in the TV show, if I'm going to do a story about Henry V, I'm going to not just focus on, focus on his successes. Uh, I'm also going to look at his failures, but I'm hoping to examine like this guy was King. He had some big accomplishments. We're not talking about a king who was king for nine months, fell off a horse, and died. Mm -hmm. We're talking about someone who's really consequential. Right. What was really consequential about him? Uh, and, and, or more importantly, why was that consequential? And so me, if I'm, you know, I'm not going to be king, um, Aside from the fact I'm not of the right lineage, I'm also an American, where it would be unconstitutional for me to be <laughs> Correct, king yeah. of anything. They kind of frown on the whole kingship thing over here. Yeah, there is a rule against it. Uh, so, uh, rule against all. Hered I guess I could be king as long as it wasn't hereditary. Uh, I could be king so, yeah. as long as uh, technically, I suppose it would be constitutional to be crowned king, have no constitutional authority, <laughs> and not pass that on to my children. Then I guess I could be king, arguably. Uh, you know, if you're a constitutional lawyer, please write in to some <laughs> other podcast. I don't care. Not this one. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm never going to be king, but I sometimes have to lead stuff. In my case, it might be just leading a class through something. Uh, it might be uh, leading my family, you mm -hmm. know, um, leading a, a, you know, I, I used to be a Cub Scout leader, be a Cub Scout, literally. That's a far step away from a king, though. I don't know. Cub Scouts are a kind of paramilitary group. So they have uniforms and uh, march around and they learn survival skills. So. True. I, I don't mean to brag, but I was basically king of the Cub Scouts. Would you rather fight one king-sized Cub Scout or one or ten king-sized, ten Cub Scout-sized kings? Yes, that's that's the actual question. Yeah. I would definitely rather fight one king-sized Cub Scout because if I know anything about Cub Scouts, uh, they're easily distracted. I see. And, uh, you know, I, I would rather fight one king-sized Cub Scout than yeah. ten chihuahua-sized kings <laughs> because at least one of them would, would I could yeah. would, would stay on me. but. Just no. Throw them some rope and tell them to tie it a knot. And yes. They'll be distracted long enough for you to escape, I'm guessing. Right. So, in fact, in my own life, I mean, you know, truly, I will often be in a situation where uh, where I'm using stories to decide what I'm going to do, what decision I'm going to make. So, for example, this is not medieval, this is classical, but I use... To tell my classes this all the time, though I guess I maybe don't personalize it for myself. But uh, in the Odyssey, I'm gonna, 
if you haven't read the Odyssey, you better stop now. I'm going to spoil a three millennia old <laughs> story. Uh, if you haven't gotten it in the last three millennia, you're not likely to get it now. Um, Spoiler alert, everyone. Yeah, the the Odyssey, uh, you know, Odysseus is trying to go home the whole time. And one interesting thing we find out from flashbacks is that Odysseus, at one part of his journey, he went to the underworld and he saw that the Greek underworld was terrible. Like, it doesn't matter whether you were a good person, you're going to have a bad time in the Greek underworld. There's no getting out of it. And he's offered immortality to stay with uh, this uh, uh, this nymph Calypso. So basically, he will have all of his material needs met his whole life, uh, not his, forever. Mm-hmm. And he will never die, and he'll never have to go to the underworld. And for him, the underworld is not theoretical. He's been there. And so... He has every expectation to think his wife has moved on, that she's remarried, that his son doesn't know his son doesn't know him, and he, that he's nothing waiting for him there. But the best he can hope for, which is in fact what he gets, the best he can hope for is to go back, retake his place, but then ultimately die and end up in that same underworld. Mm-hmm. And this is his only chance to get out of it. And yet he decides. Uh, it's barely a decision. He just is like, no, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home and be with my family. And it doesn't matter that this is the ultimate consequence of this. Uh, and that kind of, so um, so for myself, uh, everything from small things of this is a difficult thing to do, uh, you know, to make a long drive to be with my family tonight or I could stop on the road, you know, for everything from there to something uh, much bigger, uh, I'll think about the choice of Odysseus. And so I don't know what they're going to do with Henry V, but if I'm writing that story, I'm thinking, okay, what happened to Henry V's life that others can learn from? And for me as a writer, I tend to focus more on what people should be doing rather than don't do this thing. Um, what worked right and that you can take with you into your own life. So I guess that would be that that would be my approach, but I don't know what they're gonna do. They could do anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's lots of uh, well, there's lots of shows that sort of start off realistic, and after a while they decide, ah, we're gonna we're gonna go off in a completely new direction. Is this a show or is this a movie? I I thought it was a series on Netflix. Maybe it's a movie. Oh God. I, I don't know. I don't know how many episodes of the show I can. There's only so much prestige television that I can handle right now. I'm still, I'm still yeah. midway through the second season of The Wire, so I, well, I don't know what happens. <laughs> don't tell me what happens with Omar. Well, so. the difference between like a movie and a series now is really difficult because unless it started off on network TV, and is the sort of thing where, it was a sort of ongoing thing. Well, like let's take like Stranger Things for example. Arguably, each one of those is its own movie. Yeah, right? that's true. Each season is its own movie. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I I think maybe it's a movie, maybe it's a series. I suppose we probably should have, you know, looked that up before. Probably should have. <laughs> and that's but the kind of high quality podcasting is, you can expect from Plot Medieval. This is this is what we talk about. We just we don't just talk about medieval stuff. We also branch out into um, science fiction and other stuff. No, we really don't. But anyway, we should probably introduce ourselves now that we are 20 minutes into this pop 
Oh, okay. Who are you? Yes. What authority do you have to speak on well, this? Well, I'm the king of the Cub Scouts. <laughs> and so I have all authority over the Cub Scouts. I have. That is, I, that is a very lofty position. So. It is one that I I earned through through a lot of <laughs> through a lot of trying fighting. to get teach seven year olds yes. how to tie knots. A Cub Scout sized uh, king, apparently. A, a, a true story is that uh, one time a medieval history professor and I were leading a group group of Cub Scouts and trying to teach them how to tie knots, and we get about five minutes into into it before we realized we also could not tie the knots. It was mm. a very embarrassing. Uh, mm. Another lesson. thing you should have looked up yeah. before. I say a medieval history professor and I, because I am not a medieval history professor. I am Dr. Richard Scott Noakes. I am a professor of medieval literature, which means I only know fake stuff, not real stuff. Uh, at Troy University in Troy, Alabama, I'm also known uh, in uh, nerd culture as Professor Awesome, uh, which is why Pop Medieval here is part uh, is here also found on Professor Awesome or ProfAwesome.com. And who are you? I've never met you before. I, who I are have you? no idea right. why, what I'm doing here or why I'm here. No, my name is Nina McNamara. I am also a writer. Um, that's about it. No, I, I am a former student of this fine professor here. A long time ago. A long, so She's long. thousands of years old. I, I am immortal now. That's that's how old I am. I, I've just, oh. I've surpassed age. You remember me when I, when I was just Prince of the Cub Scouts. <laughs> Heir <laughs> apparent of the Cubs. Yes, Cubs. when uh, the Lady of the Lake was just brandishing her sword right. and the lake before you <laughs> were able to pull it from the sword. That's that's how long I uh, have. For, that's how long we've known each other. Um, no, I was your student once. Uh, I was your assistant once. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am the, be your... the best I ever had. And so the other yes. ones who are listening to this suck on that. Yep. So. <laughs> Sorry, Pro probably and maybe, maybe we need ladies, to edit that yes. part out. <laughs> Deal with it. How about that? Sorry, yes, I I have earned the title of top minion, and uh, you cannot pry it from my hands, living cold, or dead. Living or dead. Yes. Warm or cold. Yes, uh, I am also the co-owner and co-creator of Witan Publishing with this fine gentleman as well. Uh, we specialize in e-publishing medieval scholarship. Uh, we've also branched out into fiction publishing. Mm -hmm. um, the fiction pays the bills. And the, <laughs> the fiction pays the, <laughs> the bills. The, 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 the scholarship the wins us the Oscars, I yes, guess. Yes, so. and uh, I also am the co-creator of Pop Medieval. Yeah. We, uh, we you tend call to yourself the co-creator, but it's really your idea. It's, it is my idea, but and I she really... She abducted me and forced I me. I did, at, 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 uh, at Sword Point. So, yes. <laughs> so, if you're listening to this, come save me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not safe. He's not. He's no. being held at, at Sword Point still. Yeah. yeah, and also, although he's not here to defend himself, is Engineer Mike... But Engineer Mike abandoned us in the recording of the pilot. So right. Yeah, we don't he's know where he another is. Room, so we, yeah, we're we're he'll be uh, he'll we'll be back have to, too. We'll he's... have to make fun. you'll you'll maybe hear him uh, piping in later. I'm sure yeah, you'll want. hear him as background noise. But without him, we could not really run this podcast. No, we we <laughs> and tried to get this. <laughs> we recorded. have no technical knowledge, really. We only tried for two hours before we got it. Yeah, we just into the position it is now. It was mostly just just Doc and I just kind of scratching our heads and going, "Is this working?" And is yeah. you know, are are we pressing play now? And I don't know. 
But the reason yeah. why we're starting this podcast is because we want to talk about the intersection of medieval literature and scholarship and pop culture, because there's a lot of it, folks. Yeah, there is a lot. And whenever I teach, just when I teach Arthurian lit, uh, I always tell students that King Arthur is all around you. You see him all the time. You just don't realize it because you are so you're just so accustomed to seeing him that you don't notice him anymore. And they always think I'm crazy. And by the end of the semester, I, I one time had a student say, I think King Arthur is stalking me. King Arthur. Uh, king Arthur, yes. He's the king of the author. And I'm the king that's of the one scouts. Co- We've divided up our kingdoms. <laughs> yes. That's one king you'll right. never be. That's, hey. You're going to have to fight him. Right. Uh, and so, uh, and that's just Arthur. We're not even talking things like, you know, Robin Hood, or I mean, uh, I mean, all, all the many, many myths and stories, and uh, you know, I, I guess one of the problems that, that one of the reasons that I really was happy to consider doing this when you suggested it as an idea is that I legitimately, you said you have trouble keeping up with prestige television. I legitimately cannot keep up with all the medieval themed things, which just are available on streaming services. We're not yeah. even talking about books and comic books, just what I can find on a streaming service. I can't keep up and having a motivation to be like, all right, we're going to talk about this next episode. I probably should watch it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I legitimately didn't even watch the King trailer. I sprang I, that on you yes, just before a we 90 started second trailer. And I was like, <laughs> have you seen the trailer for the King? And you're like, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I should probably watch that before we start talking about yes, it. Yes. That might've been a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so I did, and uh, and as we started talking about it, I was afraid, like, oh no, is she going to start talking about it in great detail? <laughs> I'm in trouble. Oh, Engineer oh, Mike, he engineer just attacked. Mike's he back. just attacked a. a he returned a cat, to the recording right? studio, which is my yes. living room. Yeah, but so anyway, go on. But no, so I I do think it's important that we talk about these things and we talk about the importance of medieval literature, medieval scholarship. When I say literature, I do mean scholarship. The fake stuff, as you pointed out before. Yeah. Uh, why it's important for it to, for us to study it, for us to recognize it in pop culture, because pop culture is also very, very important to us as, well, as students. And when I say us, I mean not just you and, and I, but uh, all of us consumers of pop culture, whether it's movies, whether it's books, comic books, um, Users of the English language, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. I, we've established that you know my my take on the English language is either incredibly well or incredibly good. I should say, <laughs> yeah. See there, I just I stumbled over it, or it's incredibly terrible. We we talk well. We talk well. Yes. Well, I, and I think too, like what I was saying before about we always defining ourselves against the past. Like every time you're watching a show or reading a book or a comic book or whatever, and they're are these medieval references. It could be a full-on story. It could just be a reference. If we think about that and we understand that, I think we can understand a little bit better what they're saying about the past. Or, yeah. sorry, about the past and how it, uh, how we understand the present. I, yeah. From that. And what it means, what they're saying about us. Uh, and we can interrogate that in some way and think yeah. about it. But I'm glad you were receptive to this podcast because there's no way in you know where that I could do this on my own. Because where, where would that be? In Britain? The underworld. Britain? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the king of the Britons. Yes, because, you know, you're the one with the doctorate, and I'm the one yeah. with the bachelor's degree. So as you can tell, this is very heavily scripted. 
deeply. Uh, yes, deeply scripted. In fact, we had talked about opening with the catchphrase and closing yes. with the catchphrase, and we totally forgot to do those we things. D well, you know, this is the pilot episode. We don't have to do things. Right. Yeah. Right. What's so our What's our opening? Well, our ca our opening is supposed to be the opening from Beowulf, which is uh, what? Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, you want to do what? West through no, Hall? Do, no, do, do it. You, oh, what? And then the closing was supposed to be West through Hall, which West means, Hall. which is Old English also, or Anglo-Saxon, which means uh, you be be well. Yes. Uh, ha hall is the modern English word. Hail, like hail and hearty. So it means like mm -hmm. be, you be healthy. Uh, yes. You be You be healthy, you be hearty and hail. So yes. um, that was supposed to be our sign off, but instead I've just explained it to the audience. Well, we'll be doing that in subsequent episodes. And okay. Yeah. Right. Subsequent episodes, we'll be talking about things like movies, books, right. comic books. Comic books. I have that whole book about Beowulf comic books. Mm -hmm. we're, you know, if we do that, we're going to have to figure out how to do it. Uh, oh, and marginalia. You want to talk about marginalia? Oh, more. yes. Definitely. All the weirdness in marginalia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we'll have a website up, so mm -hmm. we'll include some show notes. Right. Um, we might need some images if we talk about things like marginalia and yeah. uh, uh, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, comic books and things like yeah. that. So, would you want your students involved? I, I, well, like I mean, it. not involved in this, <laughs> not involved <laughs> in this podcast, but I mean, have your students listen to this podcast and. Sure. Yeah, I'd love for, I'd love for them to listen to it so they can hear uh, in other ways how. Uh, they disappoint me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. I get their evaluation, so I know the mm. disappointment is mutual. Well. As long as we're mutually disappointing, we're on the same, same even playing field. <laughs> so it's important to be it's, that way. It's an important relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just like me and the Cub Scouts. <laughs> you know, those Cub Scouts are all grown up now. Uh, so I, as I call myself King of the Cub Scouts, they're all now young men, and so they're they're likely to be powerful warriors so <laughs> but they're not kings not yet but we'll see we'll i think see. i know the title of this podcast <laughs> king of the cubs king of the cubs all right all oh right. engineer mike does not like that he's making a face <laughs> oh yeah uh, we probably won't want to put that on spotify now. well we could we could say we're doing it but uh since he has final control it, over it it probably won't look good for seo that we titled the podcast <laughs> king of the cub scouts to be right okay right we'll so yes yeah, so we'll let's sued too, yeah. so all right so uh let's let's plug doc what do you want to plug uh well you're going to be hearing more about their sub things from me later on oh sorry i'll plug my own things yeah plug sorry. your own oh i'm sorry i forgot Ah, uh, yeah we talked about doing recommendations, but we'll do this for some later episodes, uh, I guess. But, um, uh, well, I have uh, a new fiction book out, uh, which is called From A to Zombie, and it's under the pseudonym of Professor Awesome, uh, because it's a work of fiction, not some of my, um, it's not some of my uh, academic work. It is uh, whimsical uh funny horror story obviously about a zombie apocalypse but it's not uh, i i don't think it's that dark uh, and uh let me see from my scholarship i guess i could plug appearing my public appearance at dragon con but since that will happen in like 12 hours <laughs> yeah uh i think maybe that's not the best so unless you guys that. have the ability to turn back time there is that if you have the ability to turn back time uh let me know and uh, I do generally appear at 
at Dragon Con. So I'll plug one year from now. Come <laughs> see me at Dragon Con 2020, where I will no doubt be presenting uh, on some on some topic uh, or another. <laughs> I guess my next my next. <laughs> I've got we some may or may articles. not have a podcast. I've got some academic articles that are coming out, but I don't know when they're coming out, <laughs> so I can't plug them. <laughs> That's right, professional podcasting here, people. That's what you come here for. What do you What do you have to plug? Uh, my books are Icarus and A Bitter Spring. You can find those in the Amazon Kindle store, bookstore. Oh, uh, yeah. Anywhere you can find ebooks or so right. any anywhere that you can find ebooks really. So, but those are really different, right? So, what kind of book is Icarus? Okay, Icarus is a sci-fi thriller set in the far future. Um, is it the far future? Yeah. Oh, well, I never I really. I, it was not I that never far. really say how far ahead in uh, the future it is. Okay. It's, it's far ahead, very I, post-apocalyptic. I, I yeah. Um, you're the author, so I guess I'll take. Yes, I'll, I'll believe your word for now. Thank you. Until I find textual evidence suggesting this, otherwise. This is true. Yes, I, I'm very, I'm very fast and loose with dates in, in that <laughs> book. Yes, A uh, Bitter Spring, however, is set in the near past, mm -hmm. and it is uh, set in our world, and it is a coming of age story. The books are very, very different. Yes. So if you are not a fan of one genre but are a fan of the other, um, uh, read one of them. Yes. So, <laughs> if you want, yes. if you want to read a coming of age story <laughs> uh, uh, that really deals with serious human emotion, read *A Bitter Spring*. Yes. If you want to read a book about drugs and sex and robots, read *Yes*. Uh, *Icarus*. Yes, please do. Yes, and I, I'm working on my third right now. I'm not ready to release the title, and um, I'm really not done with it. So, uh, <laughs> I could yeah. probably tomorrow. I could probably say, you know what? forget this. I'm done with this book. I'm done writing it and start a brand new one. But uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm really hard at work on my third one. Yeah, I'm working on a book. The reason I know so much about Beowulf adaptation of comic books is I'm, I'm working on a book about Beowulf comic books. Um, to talk to the yeah. publisher. They want some uh, things expanded and I still have to write that. And I'm also working on another novel which is tentatively entitled The Watch of Traxxas. Uh, and which one gets done first really depends on which one I feel like writing next. So if you have the ability to turn back time, you can go back and see which one of these books was published first, and you could correct us That's in true. this podcast. I should point out The Watch of Traxxas in this case is not about a timepiece, but rather about like a, <laughs> like a town watch. So The Watch of Traxxas will not help you no. with this problem. No, no, no. Yeah. All right. We will... Talk to you next time. Okay, West Thu Hall, Nina. West Thu Hall, Doc. Pop Medieval was recorded in our Nerd Haven studios. Our hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. The music is courtesy of Dr. John Ginwright. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash popmedieval. That's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash popmedieval. Thank you for listening.